number two. Number two is Arsenal. Winners a record 14 times and currently top of the Premier League. Which fans are travelling to the Emirates? 21. Number 21. Oh, it's Liverpool. Winners for eight times, but what an all-Premier League tie. What a great tie that will be. And welcome to the Sound of Football podcast. I'm Graham Sibley, and as ever, I'm joined by Jan Bilton. Hello. And Terry DeFellon. Hello. We're not in the studio this week. We've gone back to normal because last week was special. Last week was our now annual, as it turns out, uh, fake draw. And it, it went really well. And it went so well, I didn't even bother watching the actual real thing. I thought, no, I don't need to because I've had all my excitement. There's not going to be anywhere near as much excitement as I had doing the draw with the real thing. But if you remember, listeners, I was looking out for the game C1 versus C4. And unfortunately, this happened. Botswana Group C is awaiting the first team. England. England... Um... Runners-up in Euro 2020 for a position of England in Group C. I will ask Ricardo Quaresma now. C4. C4 is the position of England. Yes, I'll be going to see England. Yeah, I'll be going to see uh. England in Cologne. Yeah, oh, great, isn't it? Yeah. Ask Flair at the ready, I suppose, isn't it? Jan, you've got to show me how to do it. It's easy. Once you've done it once, Grim. <laughs> Honestly, I think you'll be brilliant at it. It's like riding a bicycle. <laughs> it's a lot like riding a bicycle. Do I light it before I stick it in my ass or after? You can go freestyle, mate. It's entirely up. You've got to own it. <laughs> I think freestyle's not really the sort of term I want to be thinking about when I'm shoving a flare up my ass. Uh, there, yeah. there is genuinely no right or wrong way to stick a flare up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd hate to come up with some kind of social faux pas. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so that'll be me in Cologne anyway next summer. Uh, uh, guys, what did we think of the draw in the end? Bit sort of ho hum, really. I mean, we said at the time with our draw because third place goes through on so many of the groups. It's not really that much drama or jeopardy that they throw up. Even the ones that look slightly group of deathy aren't really that treacherous, are they? Well, Group B is fairly group of deathy, isn't it? Spain, Croatia. Italy, and then there's Albania there who are probably not going to get through on third, I'd suggest, <laughs> with that lot in there, which is a shame for those guys. But yeah, that looks like a difficult one, I think. Yeah, Group B uh, is made for Italy to get knocked out, <laughs> finish third, and then get knocked out because everyone pounds Albania. Uh, hopefully, that, that doesn't happen about Albania. Hopefully, they do well because you always want to see the underworld to do well, and they qualified by right. So they've got to be decent, right? Uh, but apart from that, it is. I don't know. I think there's some narrative in there. I think Germany, Scotland, that's a nice one. I think that the Scottish will be very pleased that they're participating in the uh, in an opening fixture in a major tournament. England can be moderately pleased with themselves. I think Serbia and Slovenia will be tough, but doable. And although Denmark are a good side, I would still probably say 
that England on their day. Well, I think there's only maybe two or three teams in that group that I think England on their day could not beat. I think England are among the better teams. And we say this every tournament, but it's only in the last one or two tournaments that it's been actually true. Yeah. We did actually pick Scotland to go into Germany's group last week. One of the rare times that it actually comes off. What do we think about Wales' potential group, though? Because if they get through their playoff, and we made good noises about that last week, they've got Netherlands, Austria and France in Group D. Not a chance, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Wales. Not a chance, surely. Even the most optimistic Welshman would say that is... Austria at the moment are proper good under Ralph Rangnick. He's really turned it round there. Mm. And the Netherlands and France are always going to be strong. That needs France to, you know, again, I mean, blow up of their own accord. Yes. I think that's such a tough one for Wales if they make it through. Yeah. But they did really well in 2016 and that's how these things sometimes work, isn't it? So It's true. But, I mean, you are right, Terry. If you're a betting man. You would wager they're not going to do very well in that absolutely. one. Absolutely. Yeah, but there's an opportunity for them to surprise, um, which would be really great. Um, Prove me wrong, Wales. Prove <laughs> me wrong. Yeah, I don't mean to be condescending, but yeah, that is that. So, you know, all right, I will, I will scale, I'll walk back from not a chance and say that's, that's a tough group. That's going to be quite a challenge for mm. Wales. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, we did that in the group as well. We picked Wales in the same group as France. So, yeah, our selections turned out pretty precinct in the end. As I said, I didn't watch the draw itself, but the actual football over the weekend was high drama, wasn't it? There was FA Cup action. Friday night started with some Women's Nations League stuff, and England were 2-0 down against the Netherlands at home, came back 1-3-2 in dramatic style, uh, leaving it all open for this week's uh, finale against Scotland. And of course, there's not going to be any any shenanigans, is there? I know we picked it out at the start of this Women's Nations League where we thought there was the potential there of some kind of shenanigans to go on there because whoever finishes top of this group that England are in gets to go to the Olympics. Well, they get a chance of going to the Olympics. They've got to play in the finals of the Nations League next February and that's be four nations, one of whom is the host of the Olympics, France. So they're already going. Of the other three nations that are going to this finals, two of those will be going to the Olympics, including England as Team GB, which will obviously include Scottish players as well. So there is kind of incentive, unspoken incentive, for Scotland to let England finish top. Now, Scotland have finished bottom. They can't change that at all. But if England do finish top, and that would happen if they beat Scotland by a bit of a margin, then those Scottish players maybe going to the Olympics next summer. How big a margin, Graham? They have to beat them by three more goals than the Dutch beat Belgium. That's the only time that this situation comes into play, is if England beat Scotland and the Dutch beat Belgium, then it comes down to goal difference. So if England run up a score, they would need to run up a score against Scotland to guarantee themselves that place in the finals of the Nations League and the chance of going to the Olympics. It's not a guaranteed going to the Olympics, this, but certainly you can't do it without it. Hmm. Shenanigans in international football, huh? I'm just overthinking things, aren't I, Terry? No, no, I don't think you're overthinking things <laughs> at all. I would be very surprised if the Scottish would agree to any kind of collusion, the Scottish players. I think they've got too much pride. 
But the mere fact that they are in the position yeah. where they could throw that game, it's not just about the integrity of the players, which, are, again, I'm not calling into question, but it makes them vulnerable to pressure. Yeah. Is the point. And that's really what this is all about. When you think these things through, it isn't about thinking, oh, you know, these players might be willing to take a bung or they might do something in their own broader self-interest in the look by chucking a game. It's like, will they be placed under pressure to do something that they don't want to do? And again, I don't think that will happen either. No. But the point is, is that you want to avoid anything like that from happening. Make it as safe as possible for players to just do what they do and that's play football and try and win games. Yeah. It is something I think that UEFA need to think about in subsequent iterations of the Nations League. One point just I'd like to make on that. Would that ever be allowed to be a scenario in the men's game? Not a chance. Not it would never happen. Yeah. And I yeah. think that speaks volumes to yeah. yeah, Absolutely, Yanis. When you see a draw for a European competition, there are so many things put in place to stop teams that are basically this close to war with each other so <laughs> they don't play against each other. Everyone knew what the rules were going into this, that if England won qualification to the Olympics, they would go as Team GB and they would have a team made up of Scottish, maybe Welsh and maybe Northern Irish players there as well. So everyone knew this was going to happen. This was this was a potential fallout of this draw and they didn't stop it. It just seems bizarre to me. Anyway. That's all tomorrow night. And when England win 5 0, no one should look at that with any suspicion whatsoever. Because whatsoever. Whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing, though. They shouldn't be in that position. They should be able to go out and beat Scotland 5 6 0 anyway without anyone thinking, hmm, that's sort of suspicious, isn't it? <laughs> it won't just be me going, hmm, I've just got a beard. And sometimes I like to stroke it. That's all. <laughs> But the weekend was very entertaining. Of course it was entertaining because Tottenham were playing on Sunday. And, and whenever Tottenham play on Sunday, it's just insane, isn't it, Jan? Well, it is. And it was. I did the preview for this in the in the box set. And I ended it with saying, can someone tell me what the hell is going on? Just because of the crazy nature of both sides run up to this fixture. In a, now, I don't think that I had any, any bearing on the outcome of this game and how crazy it went. But, I mean, what the hell is going on? Or what the hell happened? That was a game of football, wasn't it? <laughs> Absolutely crazy game of football. And brilliant entertainment to end the week. I loved every minute of it. Most of the memes going around were of the screaming Erland Haaland, uh, screaming at the referee at, well, very close to the final whistle when a city break was stopped by the referee for a free kick when if he'd played a, uh, the advantage, then Jack Grealish would have been through on goal. Terry, how hilarious was that? <laughs> that was that was hilarious. I think it might be a bit generous to suggest that Jack Grealish was through on goal. I think there was a yeah. bit of work that he had to do, but oh, OK. <laughs> what sort of XG would you have put on that? Oh, I think the goal probability is still pretty low on scoring from there, to be fair. Um, but, you know, it's in the final minute and obviously, you know, it is incumbent on the referee as much as possible to play the advantage. But there are times when that just can't be done. The referee, you know, maybe just doesn't look up in time and decides, look, I need to call that back. I need to go. And it is the referee's call to do. That's their choice. And, you know, you might not like it. It's just the way things are. I've, you know, everyone knows what a massive Harlan stand I was until he moved to Manchester City. 
I do like the guy, but he does, you know, I mean, he's a young guy and, you know, young guys, you know, they feel the passion and then, you know, there's so much on the line and so much riding on it. You can understand why they lose their rag at times like this. But really, I mean, I think afterwards you need to be able to calm down and just like, ah, oh, you know what? That's the reason why I was angry is because we conceded three goals and I hadn't had a particularly good game. And that's why that happened. <laughs> it's like it wouldn't have been a problem if they'd been three nil up. But they weren't. It was three all. So, you know, City have got a problem defensively. They've conceded four goals against Chelsea. They've conceded two goals against Leipzig, for God's sake. They have a goal conceding problem. So it could have been a bit of that. But I think under these circumstances, I think I'm inclined to give Simon Hooper a pass. And I thought it was genuinely funny. I don't know what you guys thought. I thought it was a funny end to the game. Uh, it was. Well, it was funny because it was a through ball from Haaland to Grealish. I mean, I thought that was just, just going to be funny. What's anyway. going on there? Yeah, it was full of fun, though, that game. Don't get me wrong. City should have absolutely larruped Spurs. It should have finished 6-0, 6-1. The fact that Sun scored and then scored an own goal within a, a two minutes. <laughs> this is only 10 minutes in. I should have prepared myself more for this. I don't know if you could prepare yourself more. Jan, I mean, like, what, what was going through your head at the time? Uh I just, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that was crazy enough. But then, you know, the, the brilliance of Phil Foden's, uh, the, the team goal that oh, led to yeah, Phil yeah, Foden yeah. finishing, it was was absolutely stunning. And then, you know, Lacelso's goal itself was fantastic as, as well. It took his opportunity really well. So, you know, it was it was entertaining in the right ways and in the wrong ways, if, if you know what I mean, in the crazy ways, but also in, you know, the technical brilliance as well uh, that was on display there. And I have to say, when Jack Grealish scored his goal, he knee slid right down the camera's lens, which was just <laughs> poetry. It really was excellent. But I think the football gods were paying him back with the decision when to get went against him at the end there, just for being so over the top. But there you go. And Jack Grealish, just at my point on that being uh, pulled back, Jack Grealish is not a very fast player. I don't think he would have scored a goal. <laughs> but no. Very, very skillful player. Don't get me wrong. I think he's brilliant, but he, pace is not his game. So uh, I don't think he would have got through. No, you're right. You're right. More drama will come next Sunday, I suppose, because it's Newcastle versus Spurs on Sunday. So God knows what's going to happen there. <laughs> God, I'm literally, just, all bets are off on that one. I enjoyed all of Sunday's games, really, because Arsenal played on Saturday and won. So it made <laughs> it made Sunday a hell of a lot easier for me. And I must say, with the early kickoffs, I was just watching them update. And I was going, oh, look, Chelsea have had a player sent off. Oh, look, Liverpool are losing to Fulham at home. And it was just hilarious. I was just having a whale of a time. Yeah, Sunday was pretty special as far as the Premier League was concerned. Best league in the world, isn't it, Terry? It's the stupidest league in the world. <laughs> it's the stupidest league in the world. But, I mean, in fairness, the thing is, I mean, it's got a, a small number of clubs that just seem to generate just so much chaos. And they were, because, you know, there's so much money in the Premier League, they can afford to have these amazingly good players. But if you were to be a grumpy purist about it, and I'm not, by the way, I'm not a grumpy purist. But if I was to put on my circa 2010 football hipster hat, I would sort of say, oh, well, you know, I mean, like, it's terrible football that they're playing. You know, it's not like, I mean, and that's kind of true, but it's also horrifically unimportant and irrelevant. During that game, I was watching the Dortmund-Leverkusen game, sorry, the Leverkusen-Dortmund game, which was a gripping encounter between two top teams and it was a really, really good game. Nothing like, it's a bit of afters at the end, but nothing like the kind of chaos that was going on. Like when I watched Chelsea uh, City game, the 4 all. I thought, 
this kind of game doesn't really happen in the Bundesliga. Because I think that, to be honest with you, I feel that the players are, are differently coached. There's this whole vibe about English football, I think, that tends to make those kind of games to be you know, more likely to happen. When you watch a game in Germany or in Spain or in Italy, you've got this constant drone of the ultras always singing and giving off this atmosphere. In England, the crowd are just like watching and engaging with the game. But it's only maybe at Palace or something like that where you get that kind of thing. And it's a different atmosphere. And I think it contributes to a different type of football. And I think that English football is why it can be so chaotic. And it even gets to the point where you've even got guys like Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp, who are massively tactically disciplined coaches, just getting dragged down to this lower level. You watch City v Liverpool last week. It was like watching a game on Football Manager you know, between two of the best football men. They were moving around like very fast-moving chess pieces playing football. It looked rigid. It looked disciplined. It looked like the players knew what they were doing. And then you watch City against Tottenham and they're just being dragged down to this level because they're susceptible at the moment. This team seems to be susceptible to that. It can't impose its discipline on other teams. And it is kind of great. I mean, you, you love to see it. And I think it's, it is good and, and people should, should, should stick to it and, and, and maybe not be quite so snooty. But I'm not conscious that anybody is. I think everyone loves that kind of thing. But, you know, it's just that it is a different kind of football, I think, that we're seeing for those kinds. Of, but you also get like Palace v West Ham, which were West Ham v Palace, which was an OK game of football between two OK football teams. It didn't really offer much. And I think most of the crowd were fairly bored. But when everyone's really fully engaged, it's a wonderful thing to see. Mm, yeah. Better than Millwall Sunderland, isn't it? Oh, please. <laughs> you know, I'll, I went to that fixture last year and it was, you know, from the jeopardy of, you know, am I going to get out of Bermondsey alive? Um, you know, the, the game itself was pretty turgid and I, and I understand it was the same again on Saturday. But not in the next round of the FA Cup though, Graham. No, no, not at all. But before we get on to that, I must tell listeners that Terry's football hipster hat is actually reached its post, post, post ironic phase now. It's a baseball cap with football hipster written on it. And it goes in and out, in and out of fashion. And right now, I think it's up for about 60 quid on Vinted. So it's really, really good. Get in there. Someone for Christmas would really love that. But yes, let's talk about names in hats, shall we? Your name's coming out of hats, Jan. And yeah, the next round of the FA Cup, of course. Who did Sunderland get? They got the Dirty Max. Stinking up the Stadium of Light. (laughs) Uh, Not at the 03 Arena then. No, the you know it's not so yeah so just some background on that for those that don't know so we went through this crazy period of uh, when we played Newcastle when we were back in the days when Sunderland were in the Premier League which is a long time ago and we just went through this crazy run with Newcastle where we beat them six times in a row I think it was six five or six and whenever we played them away we tend to beat them three nil at St James's Park which was then rechristened by the Sunderland faithful as the O3 Arena, which I thought was a brilliant bit of banter. However, when they, they park their tanks up um, on our lawn at the other side of Christmas, I think it's going to be a very, very different game. Strangely, my friends from uh, that are Sunderland supporters and, and from up there are l- really looking forward to this. 
because they're mad sadists. Clearly, I mean, it's, I, you know, I saw um, I saw Newcastle play. They played Manchester United on Saturday night, didn't they? Yeah. I had more than one eye on that, and it was, and they were just brilliant. The, the scoreline, I think, flattered Man United. I thought Newcastle were excellent and by far the better team. But I don't think I'm going to see Tony Mowbray knee sliding down the touchline in his expensive Armani suit like Paolo Di Canio did. Um, I think it's going to be a very difficult difficult game for Sunderland. But to be fair, it's a free shot. We're not expected to beat them because they're now, you know, one of the top sides in, in the country and regularly playing European football now. So it's a free hit. So if we if we beat them, great. If we don't beat them, then we were never expected to. I didn't watch the draw. I got a text from my cousin who told me we've drawn Nika and I was I thought he was winding me up. I had to go and verify it myself. Yeah, it'll be interesting, but I mean, it's going to be, it could be brilliant or it could be awful. I suppose that's the the wonder of it for a neutral, but not for me. (laughs) (laughs) That is part of the magic of the cup, isn't it? I suppose. I mean, Newcastle have been great at home this season, I think, but have only won one away so far. I think it's, uh, they've not been that good. Of course, that one they won away was against Sheffield United and they won 8-0 as well, so... Mm, yeah, <laughs> I'm not yeah, saying that's for that to you. <laughs> that's a strong argument to say that Sunderland are better than Sheffield United right now. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, that's because Sheffield United honk. Sheffield mm. United lost five <laughs> nil at Burnley at the weekend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we did speak a couple of weeks ago about the fact that there have not been any managers sacked yet in the Premier League, and uh, just wait for me to refresh my screen just to make sure that Paul Heckingbottom is still in post because. All the noises I'm hearing at the moment is that Chris Wilder is going to go back there. Terry, is that a good idea? That's a wild idea. <laughs> Very good. It suggests a club that's run out of ideas, <laughs> frankly. There are other managers out there, but they just can't be asked to find out who they are. So that's really poor show from there. I mean, I wish Chris Wilder all the best, obviously, and nothing necessarily specifically personal against him. It's just that, you know, going for an old manager who you got rid of, finally, yeah. you know, Rather acrimoniously as well, to be fair. Feels like they're phoning this in, unfortunately. I just cannot see it going well at all. He must surely have had enough compensation from the jobs that he's lost to not have to take this job. <laughs> Unless there's just an attachment with it and they just want to... Yeah, but I mean, as well be, as yeah, that, yeah. It, it could well be that they can't get anyone else. Who is going to get a tune out of that side? I mean, they were so bad against Burnley. And was it McBurney who got sent off? And, yeah. you know, because he, he elbowed two people. <laughs> yeah. He was lucky the first time. And then he tried to say, oh, I'll see if I can do it better next time. <laughs> it was just, <laughs> just, I know what I'll do. This is really going to help this <laughs> our, uh, attempt to stave off relegation. I'll just go and elbow people in the head. So, yeah, they were rubbish. And for a team like Burnley, who are second bottom, to put five past them, I just wonder whether Chris Wilder's the only person they can actually get. This is perfectly true. Yeah. Who have Sheffield United got in the cup? Uh, they've got Gillingham away. Away to Gillingham. Away to Gillingham. Right. Okay. They're going out, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I reckon Gillingham will do them 4 0. That's a great banana skin. That's where the TV cameras should be, I think. They probably mm. won't be because they'll probably want to go and see Arsenal versus Liverpool because that's such a draw. A game that happens twice a year anyway and yeah, would probably happen later on in the, in the Cup when both teams are still in it. But those are the two picks of the round, though, aren't they? The two standout fixtures is Sunderland-Newcastle and Arsenal-Liverpool. 
But it did lead to a rather interesting point of view from one of the great voices of football over here in England, uh, Jeff Stelling. He came up with a novel idea, didn't he, Terry? He did. He thinks that it should be a good idea to seed the FA Cup draw from the third round. By that, I assume what he means is, is to have the smaller teams seeded against the larger teams and presumably, preferably, at home. Yeah, so instead of leaving it all up to collusion and everyone thinking, oh yeah, yeah, certain balls left on the radiator so you know which ones to pull out, actually keep things separate. And in many ways, we have separate draws in the FA Cup in the qualifying stage where they are separated on a, a geographical basis, obviously, just to keep costs down for teams down there. And we also have uh, seeded draws in the League Cup as well. And that seems to work okay. But Terry, they do it in the German Cup, don't they, as well? They do. So uh, the German Cup is a much, much smaller competition than the FA Cup, but it is Germany's domestic knockout competition. And so you've got teams who win from the lower leagues, from the Regionalliga and the uh, third division, which is a national league. And the Regionalliga is a regional league, and each of them have their own regional cups. And the winners of those cups get a place in the first round of the DFB Pokal. And, and that can also mean clubs from lower down the fourth tier. Regionalliga is fourth tier, but there's the fifth tier, which is Oberliga, and down. And they participate in this same competition. So if they make it through and win, and it happens, then they get these buys through into the first round of the cup. And then what happens is, is that the, all of those teams, plus the teams from the uh, national third tier, are put in one pot. And that is the home pot. And then all the Bundesliga 2 and um, Bundesliga clubs are in the second pot. And that is the away pot, which means you've got the best chance of the team from the lower leagues drawing out a top team. So you can get anyone from there. Sometimes you get a bad draw and you get a second division team. But if you win that draw, you get another chance. You get put in a separate pot and an opportunity of a, of a home draw. For example, Zabrucken this season, so they got into the first round, they drew Karlsruhe from the second division. And they must have thought, mm, Karlsruhe, well would have preferred to have had Bayern Munich or Borussia Dortmund. Be a nice big payday. Oh, well. So they beat them. And who did they draw in the second round? Bayern Munich at home. Fantastic. And of course, as people may have heard, they beat them 2-1 in normal time, which is outstanding. So, you know, that for me is the magic of the cup right there. I think that is absolutely brilliant. Now, I feel that this is probably the emotional soul of, of Jeff Stelling's argument. I think this is kind of maybe, he might not follow the German game that closely, but I feel that if he did, he would look at that and say, yeah, this is what I'm talking about. This is the kind of thing that you want to see in the FA Cup. And you can understand that point of view, even though I'm not quite willing to commit to whether or not I think it's a good idea. Mm, yeah, yeah. And it, it sounds like someone is trying to force the magic of the cup here. <laughs> well, there is that. I mean, at first I did, I kind of rolled my eyes when I first heard it and thought, well, you can't mess around with the FA Cup. It's a very, very important competition to uh, smaller clubs and can generate a lot of revenue for them. So you can't go messing around with it. Um, but the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, it is going to benefit the smaller sides if you, and, and I'm, I'm sorry, I can't think of a better way of saying it other than smaller sides, the smaller clubs. It is going to benefit them because the, you know, they've got more chance of playing a bigger team and getting a payday, which is really what a run in the FA Cup is meant to be for for them. But it does mean that there's more chance of them getting a bigger club, as we've said which means there's less chance of them ever progressing, which 
is difficult when you think about this being a sporting competition and it's you're supposed to decide it on merit. So in principle, I haven't really got a problem with what Jeff Stelling said at all. I think it's a really good idea, but I just think we need to think about it a little bit more because it's almost a little bit patronizing to the smaller clubs to say, well, you're never going to make it anyway. So why don't we just bung you some cash in a, in a more or less arranged fixture? Uh, I know that's a strong way of saying it's not exactly arranged, but you, you take my point. We're, we're, we're trying to engineer these fixtures. So, you know, I just worry about the sport integrity of a competition that already is not as popular as it used to be i just think we need to be very very careful Mm, yeah i suppose what half of it is having that feeling in mind where you're thinking like well it's not as popular as it was to some people anyway and thinking well what can you do to juice it up a bit or make sure that that you always have that jeopardy in there I don't think that people don't want to see ties like Arsenal-Liverpool in the third round. You've got to think, what's the grift here? What isn't being said here? Is it because you're worried that the fact that one of Arsenal and Liverpool is going out the competition and that's a lot of fans who aren't going to be bothered with the FA Cup after the third round? There could be a bit of that. Sheffield United going away to Gillingham has come out of the draw like that. That's part of the magic in the, in the fact that these games do come out naturally. Of course they do. It's it's that's the whole thing about it being random. But I think if you force that, you take a little bit of that away. There's also unintended consequences that I'm sure would only become apparent once you actually put this in place. You, would we lose something? Are you trying to force recreate something like an Arsenal Wrexham from '91? where you've got the lowest team in the previous season against the highest team from the previous season, and then Wrexham go ahead and win. 99 times out of 100, it doesn't happen like that, but that's why you've got to go back 30-odd years to find examples of it. Yeah, I'm with you, I, guys. I'm not sure whether or not it's a bad thing or a good thing. It's just a thing, isn't it? But you can see the benefit from the commercial perspective, because also from the point of view of the FA, who are, whose job it is is to make certain that they keep this contest interesting... So just to be clear, and we've said it before, the FA Cup at its earliest stages generates, for those clubs that even get as far as the third or fourth qualifying round, generates thousands, tens of thousands of pounds for non-league football clubs, which is absolute game changes for a lot of them. So, you know, it's an important tournament and that money comes from prize money. And so you have to have high prize money. So you have to have interest from sponsors and from TV broadcasters both domestically and internationally. Um, And so it's very important that when you mess with the FA Cup that you do it right, otherwise you could lose interest and then lose money. So it's vital that any changes that you make are properly thought through and and discussed, preferably by by us, but, but presumably by others. But the commercial benefits are you get all of your upsets out of the way in the early stages of the tournament, and then you, in the latter stage of the tournament, the likelihood is then you'll have the Premier League teams, which are the ones, frankly and bluntly, that the sponsors and the international broadcasters in particular, and yes, the domestic broadcasters, want to see because they're the ones that carry the big ratings. They're the ones that get the eyeballs. I hate to say it, but it is true. You know, though in that world, they're not interested in, in underdog stories. That kind of romance just doesn't really mean anything to them because it doesn't benefit them. And these are we're also talking about very cold, hard numbers here. We're not talking about the warmth and loveliness of and the magic of, of, of the cup. But these things have to be borne in mind again for reasons before. If it, if this was a League Cup, if this is the Premier League, we were talking about 
you know, we would be, you know, thinking, oh, you know, commercialism. But because the FA Cup has that particularly special role and an essential value, then it is important that we take and we should take these these things a little bit more seriously and, and be, be careful about them. Arsenal v Liverpool will get millions of viewers to whoever streams that, whether that be ITV. ITV will sell a lot of money in advertising. It's one of the reasons why they bought the FA Cup in the first place. So it is for games like that. And there's no getting around that. Now, if they could take a look in later rounds, you'll be guaranteed, you know, an Arsenal v Liverpool or something like that. Then they might go, oh, OK, well, fair enough. Then then we'll, we, we can do it this way. So you can you can see the appeal. As someone who's followed the DFB Pokal for some time, I think it's a cracking competition. And I think it, it does work. I don't think personally that, the, that, that that it would be a problem if England were to do that. And I don't foresee too many problems with that you still get the opportunity for upsets and knockouts because yeah there'll be a Sheffield United there'll be a Heidenheim who will turn up and they're just completely unprepared and they get knocked out by a lower division side and it's hilarious and it's the magic of the cup it's what you want to see and you never when was the last time you saw me Graham you talk about Arsenal v Wrexham when was that 92 yeah it was 21 years ago. 31, right? 31 years ago. And, and we're still talking about that now <laughs> yeah. as if it was in, as it was recent. But you know, because that's how long it's been. We don't see results like that. So maybe we should be realistic. I'm yeah. not arguing for this, but I'm offering a counterpoint. You know, to the, I, think that, I think that this is worthy of further discussion. Further thought as well, because I think if you look at it in straight numbers, when you get to the third round stages, that's 64 teams. 20 Premier League teams, 24 Championship teams, and 20 teams that have come up through the first two rounds. So a mix of League One, League Two, and some non-league teams still in there. So if you're saying, right, okay, well, those 20 teams that have come through the second round are going to face the 20 Premier League teams, then that means that the Championship sides that are in the third round are only playing each other. So you've, you've got 12 ties, all mm. championship ties. Yeah. I don't think you'd want to do it like that. No. <laughs> no. I don't think you want to do it like that. Yeah. I mean, there'll be a good chance that the teams that have come through the, the first, from the first round and the qualifying rounds, that was, you know, they may well still end up facing championship sides. I just think that you just have to do it yeah. that way. I think otherwise it's not really fair. And that's basically how it works in Germany. Right. So you can still face, you know, like I said, Zabrücken, they played Karlsruhe. They would have wanted Dortmund or, or Bayern, you know, they had to play another round before they got there. You know, so let's not get too carried away here. We're not looking to completely rig it so that the smallest teams play the biggest. But I think the idea of seeding them so that these are so that you've got a maybe a little bit more of a balanced or unbalanced fixture for the third round, I don't think that's too much heresy personally. Yeah. Final thoughts, Jan, on that? No, I, I completely agree. I, I think you, you couldn't do it just um, set up against the Premier League sides. I think that would really go against the, the spirit of it. But I still think it's a big, you know, if Eastleigh, for example, got Sunderland, yeah, you know, inst- instead of us, yeah. you know, that's a huge game for that's them. That's a game. Um, so, you know, it's it or, or Leeds or someone like that, it's, it's still a massive game for them. So I don't think the championship draw would be a consolation prize for them. You know, you'd hope to get someone like Liverpool, but if you, you know, if you got another fairly big team then you know you'd be all right so it's definitely an idea that's got merits and it definitely should be explored because i think there might be something in it definitely what do you guys think of the fact that we have draws at every round i mean maybe people from other parts of the world may not 
understand that, that the FA Cup is drawn every round. It's not like a bracket that is drawn up at the third round stage. Do we think that that might be a possibility? Would that be a workable solution if you had the, the third round draw was the draw for the whole thing and you just had a massive bracket and people would be separated until the final? I'm not sure how that would work. Sorry, I don't think I understand. Yeah, like in snooker. So like a wall chart, yeah, and if you had a wall chart of an FA Cup and you just wrote all the names down. And oh, it's I like see. Right, that, okay. That, yeah, I yeah, get it now. Okay, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Um, no, I don't. I don't like the idea of that. <laughs> um, I, 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 yeah, because it's, you know, part of the beauty of it is 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 it, it's random nature, and I yeah. think that you know, I think you really would start messing around with the old competition, then, wouldn't you, if you did that? Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, well, there you go. There you go. Well, of course, the third round of the FA Cup doesn't come around till January. That'll be our first box set of the new year because we take Christmas off. In fact, we've only got two more box sets left this year. Would you believe it? I know. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Someone's got to go and do their Christmas shopping, haven't they? (laughs) Maybe not this weekend because there's lots of good football on telly. Uh, Lots of top of the table action across lots of leagues. Do you know what? I'm not going to put Tottenham in the box set this week. I'm not going to put up anything up against it because I know everyone will be want to watch Newcastle versus Tottenham because it's just chaos and so you've got to watch it. So I'm just going to leave a gap in the box set. But there's still going to be three games for you to watch on Sunday, starting off with uh, Arsenal women versus Chelsea women, top two in the WSL. If Chelsea win, that's pretty much the season over, I, I reckon. Uh, but in Germany, Stuttgart by Leverkusen. Leverkusen having a little wobble, Terry? No, they absolutely dominated that game against Borussia Dortmund and really on another day should have won. Dortmund were um, did it brilliantly well, but uh, Dortmund were playing like Atletico Madrid from a few years ago. They were like, it was like a low block, like very un-Dortmund and uh, got some stick for it as well from fans. Like saying this is not how Dortmund should play, but they had no choice because Bayern Leverkusen were just like really, really pushing them. That is going to be like a bang tidy game of football because Stuttgart are great, but they only know how to play one way. So I think there'll be goals in that game. Yeah, may, maybe more goals than there will be in Barcelona Girona, though. A nice Catalan derby to finish off your Sunday night if you've got any more energy after watching Spurs Newcastle. That is, uh, and if you want to see what we think of those games on at the weekend, then get along to sofpodcast.com. Click on the link for the weekend box set and subscribe, and you will get that edition of the box set and the next one as well. And then you'll have to wait a couple of weeks before all of our takes on Sunderland versus Newcastle. Uh, Jan, how long is that preview going to take you to write, do you think? Minutes. <laughs> he, he does normally oh spend God, a lot it's longer. It's just going to be so full of trepidation. It's just going to be, honestly, like I'm walking on eggshells. I think someone else should write that one. <laughs> I'm assuming that Palace v Everton won't be in the box set. Uh, BBC or, or ITV Express an interest in picking it up? Well, you know, I'm not altogether sure that, that, that that's <laughs> happened. I mean, I don't know why. A replay of the uh, FA Cup quarterfinal from two years ago. Who are you to resist, eh? Well, I have put Palace Liverpool in the box set this weekend for Saturday lunchtime. You have. You want to write that one? Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't written a Palace screed for a few weeks, so I think uh, what, another would, one's due. Exactly. Well, it, this is Palace's first appearance in the box set this season. so that Is it really? It is indeed, wow. yeah. Okay. Speaks volumes, doesn't it? Well, they are an intensely dull football team to watch, so why they would be in the box, I do not know. <laughs> Great. There's me trying to build up the Sorry, tension dude. and the excitement. Come on, ramp it up, ramp it up. 
Except this one. This game's going to be great. It's brilliant. It's going to be brilliant. You should totally uh, watch it and subscribe to the box set. Find out what I think. God, yeah, next time, hide that football hipster hat better, okay? <laughs> oh, messy. <laughs> but that is all we have time for this week. Uh, so from me, Graham Sibley, from Jan Bilton, and from Terry Trevor, it's goodbye. 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 You can contact us through our website, sofpodcast.com, via Twitter, at Sound of Football, or on facebook.com slash soundoffootball. Oh, we said that at the same time, didn't we? We were almost on top of each other there, Terry. We saw... Matron. <laughs> <laughs> That's never happened to me That's before. Never but I'll tell you what, I, I, I did enjoy oh, it. Can make it a Which thing. Know, yeah, should yeah, make it a yeah, thing. Once a week. <laughs> <laughs> Every Monday evening. <laughs>